0: Welcome to episode 181 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we preview the 2020 NRL Grand Final. We discuss the M Awards and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 181 of the Rugby League Republic Podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, have you had a big week this week in the lead-up to the 2020 NRL Grand Final? It is finally here.
1: Yes, that is right. Yeah, look, I've had a great week. I've got to say, I was so excited uh, that the Grand Final is finally here. You know, there was a... There was a chance we might not even get here, but this, uh, but we got here this year, and uh, Doctor T, I've even got my grand final tickets. I'm one of the uh, wow. I suppose very fortunate people that are in the what the capped capacity of forty thousand uh, to be actually able to attend the game, and uh, let's hope let's hope that the grand final is not a uh, COVID
0: spreading event. <laughs> wouldn't that be? Look, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we still could have, uh, we still could, anything could happen with COVID, you know, and hoping not. But um, yeah, look, well done to obviously the Storm and the Panthers for making it to this year's grand final. Uh, congratulations mm. to all the fans who are going to be there just like yourself. And all yes. the others will be there on the ground. Uh, unfortunately, I got a I got a ticket myself uh, for the grand final tish, but it's a an extreme social distance ticket. Uh, oh, wow. Venue my house, so uh, <laughs> that's how far away. I'm, I'm just to be sure. I'm just way way far away from from the ground. But look, it should be a good one. Those <clears> of you hopefully who are less socially distant, much closer to the action, hopefully will get a good view. Uh, do you know if yeah, you're going to have a good, uh, is it, whereabouts are you positioned? Do you have any idea?
1: Um, look, I think, um, I think if there is a corner post, uh, <laughs> you might see me behind a corner post. That's because I was looking, I saw, you know, these are pretty expensive tickets because the, the tickets are, um, are in the, uh, what, the, the three figures. Can I say that? Yeah, they're in the three figure yeah. tickets. But um, And I thought they were going to be great, but they're, it's it's actually like near the 10 metre line. So, uh, yes. <laughs> so, I don't know if it's going to be this. best. Probably, probably, if you're at home, you'll probably have better a better view. Um, but, you know, the Grand Final isn't always about having a great view. I think it's about being a part of it. And, uh, you know, I've got to say, look, you know, when I, uh, I mean, the, the best Grand Final I, I have been to personally is uh, when the Sharks won for the first time not a shark supporter, but just the emotions that were at that Grand Final. It kind of made me want to go to every single Grand Final, really, if I could get a chance, just because of the just because of the emotion that the fans bring onto it. And, uh, yeah, but this one is, you know, I've got somebody in my family who supports the Panthers, and uh, she's really excited about it. So I thought this is a, a great opportunity to go. But, yeah, look, uh, yeah, so I think Grand Final is more about the atmosphere, more about being a part of something rather than sort of uh, just uh, – you know, just watching the game live. I'll probably, I'll probably go home and probably watch the game over again um, to actually figure out what actually happened. Because I think sometimes you get a different perspective when you're at the ground. So, yeah. Do you have any final uh, memories there, Dr. T? Do you remember any sort of... Uh, I think you were there for the famous
0: uh, famous uh, Ainsco uh, affair, 99, right? I, I've been to quite a few, actually. I think we may have... I think over the over the years, over our little, um, you know, our, our other series where we talk about the mm. uh, almost, uh, what was fairy it? Our, almost fairy tales and a few <laughs> other things. We, I've definitely, uh, yeah, I was. I think I was there for. Well, I was definitely there for the biggest one ever, which was the '99 one. Uh, mm. That was the one that you're referring to, the the famous St George Illawarra Melbourne Storm one, uh, with the. Uh, a very very famous penalty try there and at the end uh, yes. which was uh an unbelievable way to finish that grand final momentous mm. one for the storm obviously uh you know would have also been a fairy tale for the uh the St. George of the War of Dragons at the time um yeah that was I think that was my first that was possibly my first one uh, which was, you know, not a bad start to to for your first grand final to go to the biggest uh, the biggest one ever in terms of number of people. I don't think we've we'll, we'll ever come close. I think we got like what was a hundred and eight thousand or something people there almost. So it, like it broke the yes. record. I think it's still I think it's still got the record. Um, I think after that I went to the uh, I think I've been to the I think when the Roosters won against the Broncos potentially or. Or um, or was it the other way around? I keep I keep forgetting. I think in two thousand, I think possibly the Broncos won that one. Uh, no, actually, no. Sorry, it was. Uh, I think it was the Roosters won that one. Um, but yeah, oh maybe maybe it was the other way around. I don't remember. But um, but then yeah, look to me the worst memory was um, the two thousand and one. Uh, oh. The Eels. I was there. I was. Oh in, no. I was in. I was in the. I think I remember. I was. Uh, Back when it was in the previous configuration of uh, what was then Stadium Australia in in one of its previous incarnations and it had it wasn't the the nice perfect round, you know, enclosed stadium. It was it had these big kind of massive wings on the edges, uh, you know, of uh, just behind the try lines, both sides and uh, which basically felt like, you know, one of those cheap kind of bleachers <laughs> at, at, um, at a high school kind of thing. and That's what it kind of felt like by the time you walked up wow. to the top. So I was pretty much far away, and it was my Eels there. You know, record-breaking season, if you'll remember. The likes mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, Jason Taylor, Michael Butner, all those players were there. Yeah. Uh, and we got demolished in the first half by an Andrew Johns-led Newcastle Knights. It was 24-0 at halftime. Uh, we caught up, but, but unfortunately they ended up winning 30-24. to 24. So, you know, what a way to deflate expectations of a record-breaking season that they had. The Eels yes. with a terrible first half in a grand final. Uh, you know, it didn't, didn't quite help that I think it was a Brian Smith-led kind of, um, you know, people people refer to it as choking. I, I mm. don't know if that's the case. I think... I think they just weren't prepared for uh, what Andrew Johns had in store. I think uh, I think no one could, <laughs> you know, it was at a time when he was at his peak. So, yeah, those yeah. are some of my grand final memories. And, uh, yeah, it's been, I think, I don't think I've been since then. It's been such a long time. But I've, I've been, I've quite enjoyed the, uh, the look, I don't know. I think uh, it's kind of nice having, having to watch them at home. And over yeah. the years, it's all changed from, you know, having the afternoon grand final firing up the barbie four having o'clock,
1: right two, that's right three o'clock four o'clock yeah that, that
0: three was o'clock great. start not anymore yeah. now it's in the last like two decades we've gone to twilight five o'clock seven o'clock eight o'clock four o'clock it's a bit you know it, it's all over the shop so hopefully we can get back into some sort of a traditional time i don't know i i look if you were to ask me what time is it on this year i i actually honestly can't tell you i'd have to look it up uh
1: yeah well I think it's prime time, seven thirty. So I, th- I think I think uh, it's this is going to be interesting too because we're in a daylight. So this I, I know we're normally in daylight saving, but this grand final is a month out from what it's normally at. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that there's no public holiday the day after. So I think the experience is going to be different for everybody else. Uh, for, for everybody, for this particular grand final, just because of when's it on. Um, and then you know, obviously, there's only two. Games is the NRLW game, and then there's the grand final straight afterwards. So, it is going to be a bit of a unique grand final, obviously with the now. This is another. This is the COVID configuration, I suppose of uh, of uh, of you know uh, Stadium Australia, um, which is kind of uh, you know it's they've actually moved it from the Sydney Cricket Ground to get more spectators in. So, that's also a very interesting part of yeah. this grand final. Is, I mean, this they play in a stadium that would have been taunted, like, would have been under construction mm-hmm. if COVID hadn't happened. So, that's kind of interesting. And, yeah, I do remember that Parramatta grand final. I've got a, a Parramatta-Newcastle grand final. It's, um, I think that is going to be uh, a future uh, almost... Uh, Fairy tale episode. I could, you know, just just the whole story of it. <laughs> I don't
0: want to remove it, Tish.
1: I don't want to remove <laughs> it. It's gonna be a hard one. Don't do that for you know, me. And I've got to say, with this particular grand final on both ends, you know, whoever ends up not winning, um, it's a, it's an almost fairy tale for both teams. You know, if you look at potentially who could be retired at the end of for one team and the other team having, uh, you know, a a father son combination having a, a season where they've only lost one game, um, you know, if they were to end up losing, I mean, that's that's pretty, that's pretty, a pretty shattering, uh, almost fairy tale right there as well. So I've got to say, it's going to be a huge grand final, but I think before we get there, we probably need a, uh, just to just review for a short time what happened the week before. What do you
0: say we get into tackle number one? Let's do that. Let's get into our six tackles. And here we go, tackle number one. All right, so the first game uh, saw the Storm winning thirty to ten over the Canberra Raiders. A uh, look, they just got off to a super super start. Three tries in the first nine minutes. I mean, mm. you know what can you say to that? Once you once you leak three tries in eight minutes, eight nine minutes, there's no turning back, and there's no way to get back. And that's that's kind of what ended up happening. You know, eighteen nil straight away, um, and and then uh, they yeah they basically went on with it so they ended up scoring uh, four five five tries to two Kotrich scoring the only two tries for the Raiders um, and and obviously twenty four six at half time uh, ended up being thirty points to ten so only six four in the second half to the Storm but really this is just uh, another you know typical example of and we, we spoke about this so it was going to go either one of two ways it was either going to be the clinical Melbourne storm that we've come to expect in the last few years Um, it's the typical kind of you know just a machine a well-oiled machine versus the Canberra Raiders that can uh, you know play on emotion Um, you know they'd already kind of uh, had that emotional win against the Roosters a week before uh, avenging their grand final loss from last year and you know, would would that emotion uh, carry them uh, momentum-wise through the Melbourne Storm to the grand final? And the answer to that was quite clearly no. Um, <laughs> it was all about the uh, the very same things that, that that kept the Melbourne Storm at the top of the heap or, or nearabouts. Um, uh, throughout the whole season, which is, you know, the, doing the good things right, um, doing the right things correctly, um, having having that kind of uh, really, you know, uh, low risk kind of football and but also, you know, but b- being kind of using their experience and, you know, having that experience with Cam Smith. Uh, look, Cam Smith, you know, a lot of people who listen to this will know I'm not his biggest fan. I think there's, you know, he's he is a good player. I'm not. I'm. I'll I'll be very uh, controversially say I think he's a little bit overrated at times. uh, But he does he does have some uh, on occasion really bring in those plays that um, that that kind of make you realise this is why he's the captain. This is why he's been successful for so long. And and it came in the form of a try saving tackle. Where he—I forget who the player was, but he was—he uh, um, was basically uh, kind of you know stretched out, pulling the player back. The Canberra Raiders player, I think it was. It might have even been Jack Whiten, in fact. Um, and he just sort of he managed to kind of stop. The Canberra player from reaching over to score. Uh, I think he sort of didn't quite do the the old Billy Slater kicking the ball out, which you're not allowed to do. But um, but he did kind of uh pull uh pull him down and make sure he got the got to the ground before he could reach out. It was an absolute try save tackle, and it was at a time when, uh, you know, it, it could have been dangerous. You know, at the first, I think it was kind of um close to the 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 start of the second half could have been anything and so really to to quash that comeback you need to sort of have the players like cam smith step up step up and he did and uh yeah so look well done melbourne storm well-oiled machine with some clutch players at the right time uh and well done look unfortunately canberra raiders we say goodbye to them they had a pretty good season but i don't think they were anywhere near as effective as they were last year when they made the grand final and uh and got so close to winning against the Roosters. So, Atish, what were your thoughts on Storm versus Raiders?
1: Well, yeah. Look, I think that the uh, well, I think the Storm they came out uh, absolutely on fire. You could definitely tell um, how much an advantage that week off was because obviously Canberra looked a little tired. They looked out of it. They they looked like they lack intensity. Um, I know that they had some travel issues on uh, you know actually on the day. Um, apparently they they got there late and certain things uh, happened and all you know and things like that. Of course, Ricky Shield uh, didn't play that you know as as an excuse. But I think overall, like it just showed um, why it's uh, that one week off is so important in this competition because you really do need to uh, you know you really do you know playing the top teams week in week out four or five weeks in a row, uh, is is it's a tall order. Now, I know the Raiders, we talked about how smart Ricky was, He you had know, the ploy to sort of rest, um, you know, the players at round 20, which he did. And, um, you know, and this was kind of going to be that game where, where, you know, the rubber hits the road. And unfortunately for the Raiders, it just didn't quite happen. Um, but look, take nothing away from Melbourne. I think you're right. Look, I think Cameron Smith, there was a bit of brilliance uh, with some try saving uh, defense as well. He sort of controlled it. Um, you know, for, for the most part, uh, you know, the Storm in the first half were brilliant. Their forwards were, were really uh, quite a step above the Knights. So, uh, uh, sorry, the Raiders. So I think, I th- uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, it was, a very, it was a very good performance for Melbourne. Probably the only real thing that I've got to say that might not uh, hold them too well is that they've had a few, I don't think they've had a, a real grudge, uh, sort of a real sort of tight game in a while. Uh, they've sort of been dominating teams over the last, you know, six or seven rounds. And I don't know how... Uh, you know, obviously, Craig Bellamy's teams are always very good when it comes to a tight contest and, and, and how you sort of win um, But it's been a while since they've done that because they've just been demolishing teams. So it will be interesting how... how You know, what type of preparation this game was for them. Um, now, for the, for the Raiders, I did think about this when I was watching the game. I, I noticed... That pretty much uh, George Williams was the you know the major playmaker in the whole game and uh, and I kind of wondered that a little bit because um, you know he is a great player and he is a great steady hand but I think um, I felt that White was actually a little uh, quiet. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about him later on, hmm. uh, you know, in the in the show. But I think for this particular game, for some reason he was a little quiet. I don't know if there was some communication issues or so, or something like that. But I mean, there was a couple of times where you know the Raiders had a good opportunities close to the line, and you know the the ball would go to Soliola, or it'd go to Papali, and it would go to you know Tarpanay, and then it would go to Williams, and it would go to Williams again, and all like. When are you guys going to pass it to uh, Whiten and uh, and uh, and I kind of felt that they kind of moved away from that game plan a little bit, um, you know. And and then last week the other the, the other interesting thing about the week before is that they were, it wasn't just the two halves, you know, making kicks and making plays. You kind of saw the centers getting involved and uh, you know doing their own kicks and uh, you know then passing the ball out wide and passing it through. You didn't see that sort of um, you know uncanny style that the Raiders have. I think they try to pay a bit, bit too conventional, and I think in the end, that cost them an attack. It, it became very simple strategy for for Melbourne on on how you sort of uh, defend against them. Um, yeah, and look, yeah, the Melbourne Storm. Look, I, I think um, you know, it's a new look Melbourne Storm, isn't it? You know, you've got Pepin. You know, there's no more Billy Slater anymore. There's no more Coop, uh, Cooper Cronk, uh, but I've got to say Jerome Hughes and Pepinhausen. Um, you know, Cameron Munster, they've got some really good players at Melbourne and uh, they're going to be hard to beat this week. So uh, well done to Melbourne and uh, I think better luck for the Raiders next year.
0: All right. And the next game, uh, much closer game, much more exciting was the Panthers 20 to 16 victorious over the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, This was a really exciting, really high quality match. A lot of Really interesting things going on in the end. It was three tries apiece. Um, and really, it was Cleary getting uh, all three of his tries converted plus a penalty, uh, goal, uh, to, to get the edge over Adam Reynolds, who only managed to get uh, two of his four kicks for goal. Uh, he also had hmm. a penalty goal, I believe, and, and missed it. So,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Um, so look, at the end of the day, the Panthers winning in a tie one against the Rabbitohs. Um, I mean, in many ways, they didn't really look like losing. They you kind of felt like they always had the edge on the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs were always uh, playing catch up, and uh, um, you know, and and certainly, um, I don't think they were ever behind on the scoreboard except for the first. After the first try was scored by the Rabbitohs, after the fir- the fifth minute to Alex Johnson, I think, um, yeah, the, the the Panthers never really, never really looked back in terms of uh, the score, but but there was a couple really interesting, uh, you know, turning points, and the, and the main one was only with only a few minutes to go, we had, uh, you know, I often say Tisha, it's a game of inches, this game. Uh, and and this literally happened. We could have been seeing the Rabbitohs in this grand final because uh, towards the very end, uh, they had just come off the back of a a, uh, a comeback try, um, and uh, in the seventy third minute, and they were on their way back, and they were literally, um, you know, trying to sort of get possession and uh, and score that final try uh, to overcome the Panthers. And there was a the famous 40-20 that wasn't um, from Adam Reynolds. It looked for all money like he had got a 40-20 with, uh, I think it was only a few minutes ago, and really could have been the turning point that uh, could have got the Rabbitohs, uh, you know, in a position to score that try. and. And then they, they went to the video ref, I think, I don't know if it was challenged potentially or it was just the the video ref was just reviewing it, I think, in during the course of uh, the, the, the time that it took for them to set that scrum. And they realized that actually Adam Reynolds had just put literally half of his foot on the line. <laughs> on the 40 meter line which basically uh, nullified that 40-20. Uh, obviously you've got to be behind the 40 meter line when you kick for go- uh, kick for the sideline, and then you've got to kick it from your 40 meter, behind your four meter 40 meter line. Uh, be, uh, t- towards uh, or behind the defences, twenty metre line. So, it was literally a case of a couple of inches. If he had just not had a massive uh, um, step in terms of uh, the way the way he kicked that that uh, that ball, we could have been talking about uh, you know completely different score. But I think that would have, um, you know, would have been injustice. I think for the Panthers because I think they kind of deserved to win uh, the way they played the game. Uh, they were on top of the Rabbitohs for most of the game. It was a bit back and forth, but I think if you look at the stats, you'll see that they, you know, the Rabbitohs had a lot more errors, uh, and they just never really, just watching it, you know, you never really felt like um, they were in it as much as the Panthers, and the Panthers were there to kind of, yes, they held on, but they were kind of. Um, you know, in control, if you could say it that way. So, look, uh, well-deserved win, the Panthers, the Rabbitohs, uh, you know, hold your heads up high, because you did very well to get this far. Tish, uh, what do you think? 20 to 16, Panthers over the Rabbitohs. Yeah, well, I think you've
1: summed that up very, very well there, Dr. T. I mean, yes, the difference between these two teams in this game was basically kicking. Um, other than that, it is it is it 20 all. Uh, to give you an idea, like, if you actually look at the st- stats, you know, completion, Panther 72. Uh, Rabbitohs, 75. Uh, you know, um, I think there's one stat here which is absolutely amazing. Uh, amazing, um, You know, kicking metres, 710 by the Panthers, 711 <laughs> one metre <laughs> by the Rabbitohs.
0: It is... It is uh, that was that forty
1: twenty. Actually, yeah, I'm thinking about it now. It probably was, right? Um, and that forty twenty. you know, that's a very interesting uh, moment because, like, at, at the time you... Go, that both teams had used up um, their uh, challenges in, in in to be honest two of the most ridiculous challenges ever um
0: <laughs>
1: yeah and, and 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 then so um, but they actually went back and checked it um which I don't know if they're necessarily supposed to be able to do I think there was another incident in the uh, rabbit uh, in, in the other game as well where um, they did actually check something or you know they held back on a decision just to uh, make sure or something and uh yeah I, like you know nobody really said anything but I, I don't know if it's if it's what should be used you know but uh, but look they actually did, did go check it and you know he did actually land it, it wasn't a 4020 just by by a uh yeah by a foot and that was really the difference um I think as you watch the game I think I, I got the same vibe that you did that that basically the panthers were sort of on top they did a very good work, They did a very good job in uh, you know a team that had scored 144 points in the last three games. Um, the fact that they only held them to 16, only held them to uh, what was it? Two, three tries in the end, um, and using that sideline as that extra defender, um, you know the short side raids that the Rabbitohs have uh, been able to exploit. They really weren't able to exploit them in this game. And I think that that's a testament to the Panthers. And I think their defense is, um, you know, it's kind of a bit understated. But that's actually probably their strength of the Panthers. And the Panthers, they definitely did create opportunities. And I think they bombed a couple of tries. To be fair, there was a, cu- a couple of half chances that they probably should have capitalized. And uh, maybe it's youth or inexperience. But I think that's probably their, their biggest danger with the Panthers is that they are able to uh, produce opportunities but they don't always convert their opportunities which um you know which is going to be a bit of something they need to address so look the Panthers you could say they weren't at their best you know it's interesting you talked about errors there Dr T if you actually I was actually going through the stats and I thought like you that you know maybe the Rabbitohs the the issue was the errors but actually the uh the Panthers actually had more errors than the Rabbitohs in this game wow Um, so, so that really says says this. What I will say about South Sydney, a lot of people are talking... I've heard a couple of things here and there. I think they've had a great season. Uh, but ultimately, they've. this is the same um, game they went on, on last year and uh, the year before as well. Um, so I think it's three years in a row they've made it almost to the grand four, but never quite made it. And I think it comes down to this because, you know, they weren't at their best this game, but the, they still were, you know, only four points behind the minor premiers, And... On their day, if they could play at a hundred percent, the Rabbitohs, I believe, is purely the best rugby league team in the competition. If uh, you yeah, know their potential is there, I mean, let's let's not forget they, they they did this without Latrell Mitchell these last three weeks, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, for yeah.
1: so I think as a as a roster and as a squad, and if they were able to play their ability, they're probably the best team in the competition. Um, but you know, throughout the season, they drop. Silly games, you know, they, they lost to the Bulldogs, they uh, they sort of warm into it, they sort of have a couple of great weeks and they sort of fall off a little bit and it's just that consistency um, to first get themselves into the top four, which, you know, they're definitely a top four team. That they should be able to get into the top four and I think that really hurt them, um, not getting into the top four and then as a result, you know, finishing sixth uh, ultimately and not being able to, to get the second, uh, you know, to get the uh, second chance. Um, you know, and the week off. I think that if they were able to to accomplish that, I think that, that you know that's going to take them there. And I think and I think it's also mastering this game that they have here. You know, the the game before the grand final, they just seem to get close. But you know, when it's not important, they seem to be absolutely brilliant. But when it is important, uh, they seem to uh, they seem to not be there. So I don't know what what the answer is. Uh, maybe maybe. Uh, Maybe there's a psychological answer to, to the whole thing. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but um, but, but I think the Rabbitohs, have had a great season, but I think purely they are a great team. So um, let's see what they do next year. And, I, uh, you know, the Panthers, it's really exciting to see this young team. Um, there are so many different um, things. You know, I heard... Um, Heard uh you know, now we've yeah, well let's get into the next tackle, I think.
0: <laughs> let's 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 hold that thought there because uh <laughs> we are gonna preview the grand final, the Penrith Panthers versus Melbourne Storm. So here we go, tackle number two, the grand final preview. <laughs> Right. Tish before we get into what you've heard <laughs> online <laughs> let's uh, let's just quickly go through the uh, I'll quickly run through both of the squads uh, and then we'll talk about what our thoughts are and who's going to win etc so the Panthers will have Dylan Edwards at fullback Josh Mansell and Brian To'o on the wings Brent Naden and Stephen Crichton on in the centers Jerome Luai Nathan Cleary in the halves uh, at, in the forwards, you've got Isaiah Yo, uh, Liam Martin, uh, William Kikau, and in the front row, we've got James Tamau at uh, prop, you know, captain James Fisher Harris, and uh, Corusau, Episode Corasau at hooker, and on the interchange bench, they've announced Tyrone May, Kurt Capwell, Moses Leota, and Zane Tadivano. Obviously, coached by Ivan Cleary, Nathan's daddy. <laughs> Um, Melbourne Storm, uh, we've got Ryan Pappenhausen in the fullback. We've got uh, Suliazi Vunivalu and Josh Adokar on the wings. Brenko Lee and Justin Olam on the centres. Uh, Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes in the halves. In the front, we've got at uh, Locke, Nelson, Asofa, Solomona, uh, Felicia Kafusi and Kenny Bromwich in the second row. And in the props, we've got Jesse Bromwich, Christian Welch and obviously Captain, Captain Courageous, Cameron Smith uh, at Hooker. And on the Interchange Bench, we've got Brandon Smith. Tino... Uh, how do you say this? F- Fasula Malawi? Mil- Mil- <laughs> oh, man, that's... Fasula Malawi, I think. Uh, Dale Finucane and Nicho Hines and Craig Bellamy, of course, uh, in, uh, in coaching that team. Look... I've, look, I think it's fair to say, uh, I don't know if they've got, they're pretty much at full strength, both teams, as far yes. as we're aware, so nothing really major to speak of in terms of injuries and what we would expect at this time, but um, Tish, uh, let's start with what your rumour mill is, has uh, churned up this week.
1: Okay, no, it wasn't wasn't really a rumour mill, uh, I've got to say, but um, no, I was just going to talk about uh, some of this stuff about this game. Firstly, uh, you know, Ivan Cleary is the coach um, of of the Panthers, and uh, obviously his son is playing for the team as well. Uh, Now, the last time the Panthers won, interestingly enough, their coach was was Johnny Lang, and uh, I believe their captain was Martin Lang. Um, So that's...
0: I don't know if he was the captain, but he was definitely in the side.
1: He's definitely in the side. Yeah, so
0: yeah.
1: That that was interesting. And then uh, what I did hear was an interview with uh, Mark Geyer, and he actually interviewed um, Melbourne Storm great Matt Geyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he then he kind of realised that there's a there's a bit of a both both I suppose sort of uh, Super League teams as well a little bit, but you kind of go back. There, there's kind of quite a bit of a. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting how these two t- teams sort of line up from that sort of way. And um, look, I, th- I think with the, uh, with the Panthers, they kind of missed kick out. I think, you know, there was quite a lot of drop balls and errors and um, pretty much I think missing kick out was kind of really big because, um, you know, Kirk Capel, you know, he, he said had an all right game, but then, you know, he sort of dropped the ball three or four times. Um, so I think from, from the Panthers' point of view, they are they are going to be strong in those areas. Um, and look, I've got to say, look, you know, I think that, um, you know, their bench, uh, you know, I really like uh, Leota and Tetevano off the, ba- uh, off the bench. Toro May, you know, he ha- ha scored that brilliant try with Cleary. And it's interesting, you know, this team, um, they're all local juniors. I think, uh, apart from maybe Tamau and Tetevano, they, they seem to be the only players that, they didn't sort of grow up in the area. Um, so these guys all really know each other's game quite well. Or oh, Coruscant as well, I should say. But they know each other really well. They've got really a sixth sense. They've been playing so many games together, and it's kind of like a team that's sort of grown up in the Panthers area versus the Melbourne Storm system. You know, the dynasty. You know, the dynasty of uh, you know, of of the Melbourne Storm where they've sort of taken you know players from left, right, and centre. You know, a lot of potential players, and they've been able to con- turn them. You know, turn them into a winning team. Um, you know, a very interesting sort of uh, sort of lineup, and they've been on fire over the last few weeks from their attacking point of view. Um, their forwards uh, are quite strong as well, and this is going to, going to be a real uh, interesting matchup. You know, like you know Tamau and James Fisher-Harris up against Christian Welsh, and uh, you know the Bromwiches as well uh, up in the in the forwards as well. I think that's going kind to of be a very interesting contest. Obviously, whoever wins uh, as well. And look on their bench, you know, Fanukan, uh, Brandon Smith, and Tino, um, some really good big players. But I, but I've also got to say, Nico Hines has got that creative edge to him a little bit. And uh, you know, he when he comes onto the field, he kind of kind of um, sort of uh, makes up for maybe a lack of creativity uh, the Melbourne Storm seem to have sometimes. So it's a very interesting sort of uh, you know lineup both teams, and it's going to be an absolute. Uh, you know, crazy sort of game, I've got to say. So, look, no real rumours. I, I don't think there's, like you know, I, I suppose, you know, was it you, last year or the year before you had the, the Cooper Cronk injury situation? That was kind of a bit, uh, you know, you didn't know if he was going to play or not. I can't remember if there was any sort of, um, you know, there's more sort of, I think, a rivalry between Robinson and uh, Ricky Stewart last year, which kind of dominated the headlines. But I think for these two teams, I think it's just purely about the football. Uh, really not too much drama between these two teams uh, throughout the season as well. Um, So it's going to be interesting. But what I will say is that, um, you know, probably the big real news that's probably taken away from the game is whether this is Cameron Smith's last game. And uh, I don't know if you saw Dr. T, but, uh, you know, with 10 minutes to go in the uh, prelim, uh, he did a a lap of honour around the field. And then, um, you know, Afterwards, the Channel 9 interviewed him and said, was that a lap of honor? He goes, no, I don't know what I was doing. I just, the fans were cheering, so I just decided to give him a lap of honor. Uh, You know, I was like, what are you doing, Cameron? Why don't you just announce that you're retiring and just, we could focus on the footy here, mate, you know? But uh, it's going to be interesting, um, you know, whether this will be his last game or not. But I think that's probably another interesting, intriguing twist, So. Wow. So yeah, look, yeah, look. Uh, maybe I'll get your thoughts, and then we can sort of both figure out uh, who will go, who will we'll go for.
0: Well, uh, thanks, uh, thanks for that, Tish. I think, yeah, I wonder if uh, your Cameron Smith observation there is uh, maybe something to do with a hush-hush media contract that is about to be announced. Potentially, Ooh. he might, he might, uh, he might not want to say where he's going because he's, uh, he's probably going to uh, be a commentator or something on Fox or something. I wonder, and maybe he's not allowed to say it uh, on Channel 9. I don't know.
1: I don't think that could be the case because his uh, frenemy, Cooper Cronk, is also got a contract with him i
0: don't know how that yeah well you know plot twist that was probably all made up drama <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> maybe they're just best friends but uh look mm. to teach you onto this game i i thought what i'd do before we get into some of the nitty-gritty uh and our final kind of thoughts on who's going to win uh is is take you on a bit of a journey uh of uh interesting facts and statistics about okay. uh, not really statistics, but more just interesting uh, coincidences or not, uh, to show you how connected these players are and the world is, and hopefully this will give us some uh, some ideas about where this uh, where this game might land. So let me just sort of take you very quickly. So. Um, Looking first of all, let's start with their performances this year. So, if we look this year, we've seen that uh, obviously the Panthers uh, look only really lost one game, and that game was. Do you remember who beat them? You remember there? No?
1: Yeah, I'm just uh, I th-
0: uh, thinking- sorry, I wasn't looking at Wikipedia, but I think it was. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was Parramatta. It, it correct. Parramatta Eels. Now, when you look, so that, again, that was the only loss that the Panthers suffered all season. Of course, I am not counting the uh, the the draw against the Knights, which was the first. I think it was the first game back from the uh, the, the lockdown. Um, so, the, the only team to beat them all year, I believe. and correct me if I am wrong, because I don't remember them being beaten by anyone else. Was uh, uh, obviously the Parramatta Eels. Then you look at the the Storm. Uh, they lost a few times. But let's look at who they lost to. So they lost to... Um, let me have a look. The Raiders. Okay. The first game back from the lockdown, they lost to the Raiders. They actually got yes. smacked pretty much. Um, right. They also lost to the Panthers. So again, this yes. would be a bit of a rematch kind of situation here. You know, the Storm looking for revenge. It was only a seven-point victory, 21-14. Uh, and then... An interesting little tidbit. Who did they lose to in August? Uh, the Eels. 14-0, you remember. Mm-hmm. The first, I think the first time ever that the Eels have held the Storm uh, winless. Uh, so, sorry, held the Storm to uh, pointless, to zero. Um, and uh, that was amazing. But then, obviously, uh, towards the end there, I'm not counting the Dragons win <laughs> before the, the finals because I think that was the case of uh, the Storm resting their star players uh and kind of throw in the towel in for that one. Um, but yeah, interesting. The Eels have been in both grand finalists this year. Very interesting, wow. which kind of uh yeah makes me makes my mm. blood boil a little bit. But anyway, let's move on. Let's 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 not go there please. Another interesting thing you spoke about the, the last time the Panthers won in twenty uh, 2003 2003. sorry not 2030 2003 long time ago 17 years ago um their captain actually was craig gower you're right martin lang was in the lineup he was in a prop but he wasn't the captain and john lang as his father was the coach interesting little tidbit was uh you know uh, what else oh who was the uh captain so you remember who they played I'm. I'm going to ask you some questions here, Tish. So you got to be alert. Okay. Who did they play? I believe they
1: played the Roosters.
0: They played the Roosters, of course, and you you will remember there was uh, was there that famous um, uh, was that famous tackle, wasn't it? The, uh, the Sattler, who was it? Or, uh... Scotty Sattler. That's right. Against, uh, I think it was oh, Ryan Cross, maybe or Todd yeah. Byrne, one of these. But who was the captain of the Roosters? You remember? I would say it'd be Brad Fittler, right? It was Brad Fittler. Very well done. Excellent there. But so that's interesting that we've got, uh, first of all, it just reminds you a long time ago, but you've got Brad Fittler, who's now the Blues coach, uh, was there and in a losing side the last time the Panthers. And of course, the other link is obviously people, some people don't remember, that Brad Fittler was obviously a Penrith Panthers junior Having, having won, uh, I think he was actually there in the first time they won that premiership in 1991. He was in very integral part of that side. So again, small world there and here we are years later. But who was the coach of the Roosters? You remember? Oh, was it Ricky Stewart? It was Ricky Stewart. So poor, okay. old, poor old Canberra Raiders. <laughs> They've, <laughs> you know, have had something to do with the Panthers' last win. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately on the losing side there. Um, interestingly enough, I also looked at some of the key players in the Panthers. And it was uh, it was brought to my attention, and I had completely forgotten this, that uh, Apisai Kurosau was also there. As a premiership-winning hooker for the South Sydney Rabbitohs in 2014. Yes. Now I completely forgot about that, <laughs> and uh, which is which I'm quite shocked. But I I did completely forget, and I thought you're right. He actually did. Uh, he did actually. Uh, you know, obviously won that premiership a very, you know, not their first premiership, obviously their 21st premiership, but, but really it, they f- it felt like their first premiership. It, it had been so long generations. Yeah. yeah. And interestingly enough, who was on the losing side? So we remember obviously that they beat the Bulldogs, but who was on the losing side there on the interchange bench as well, making an appearance, but good old Dale Finucane. Oh my gosh. <laughs> who is also going to be running out for hmm you know, the, the, the storm this week. So we're going to have potentially a Coruscant versus Finucane connection uh, of uh, epic proportions there in uh, in the grand final this year. So very interesting little tidbits there. Eels, obviously, uh, on top of both teams this year, couldn't make it. And obviously the other connection being Coruscant and Finucane, uh matching up again <laughs> against each other. Uh, once again, in the same, you know, one at Hooker and the other one at Interchange. Very, very interesting. Um, six years later, and uh, and yeah. So look, the, look. There's probably other connections that I couldn't go through, but um, <laughs> I've I've got a connection that I've
1: discovered.
0: Uh, please, um, please go for it. Yep.
1: Oh, uh, this is a full-on one, Doctor T, but uh, it relates to the Pan- Panthers in 2003.
0: Here um, we go.
1: Are you ready for this? So I'm,
0: I'm ready. I'm, I'm I'm opening up my Google right now. Here we go. Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> well, this year we've been affected by COVID. In two thousand and three, what was the world facing?
0: Oh no! SARS. Wow, the, the <laughs> first is... the first version is. Are you serious? Two thousand and three was wasn't it? Two
1: thousand November two thousand and two is when um, SARS was um, released, which is. Um, it, it's actually called COV-2, SARS-CoV-2. And then, um in uh, obviously, in December 2019 is when... Um, sorry, COVID, no, COVID-19 is actually SARS-CoV-2. That's but, right. Yeah, COV-1, uh, yeah, was in November 2002, and this was only... Yeah, so November 2002 and December 2019 are the two different dates for these uh, sort of epidemics that both... Uh, yeah. Um, so that. Yeah. So.
0: Wow. Um, so the the link is that when when there's a global epidemic, the yes. panthers are. Oh look, you know, you have just almost <laughs> swayed me, towards putting putting more money on. uh oh, oh, this <laughs> is, is a very old. very interesting. But look, oh uh, look, I'm I'm not surprised because I think I think the thing is once you look hard enough you'll find all sorts of connections but. Look, I I've got to say, um, yeah, those are the that oh, look. Your connection was brilliant. I did not realise that, but look, I think uh, look. Let's get back to the the actual teams themselves, Tish. But I think at the end of the day, I think uh, this is what it boils down to. We've got we've had a consistent team all year in the Penrith Panthers that have only really dropped one game against uh, an eel side that. Uh, you know, failed to sort of uh, failed to capitalise on their early season form, and then you've got on the other side you've got a Melbourne Storm team that has been there and done that many many times before, and has all the right ingredients in terms of the spine, the coach, the experience, all that kind of stuff, which means so much on grand final day, uh, and. And uh, however, they, they have not been the machine uh, that they have been in the past. Although the, you know although in the, the most recent match, they, you know, I guess you could say, totally demolished the Canberra Raiders. It's not like as if the Canberra Raiders were setting the world on fire anyway. Um, they did kind of defeat a, uh, a limping Roosters team the week before. And in fact, many, uh, many people were saying that that was pretty much their grand final. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, I guess, I guess the question is, you know, interesting you point out the the Cam Smith observation. Could that be a foreshadowing of the fact that, uh, you know, in many ways, maybe the Melbourne Storm played their grand final last week against the Canberra Raiders? And really, uh, is this all being set up for the Panthers to finally, um, you know, make good with the, the consistency that they've been uh, performing all year? Look, I got to say, in the normal circumstances, I would say that the storm should be favourites because of the the experience factor. But this has been a really strange year, and I don't mm. think I don't think that the grand final. Uh, look, I know that there'll be the sense of occasion, grand final. You know, the players go out. There's the 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 roar of the crowd, all that sort of stuff. Really gets people pumped up. This is what leads to teams. Of inexperienced players choking and not performing at their best, and it also leads to you know absolute blinders for people who you would never expect. Um, but I would say this year is a bit different. I don't think that the players are going to have that same level of, <coughs> um, <coughs> excuse me, of, um, of awe and, 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 and kind of, uh, I don't know if "or" is the right word, but it's not so much fear, but it's that that sort of sense of being overwhelmed by the occasion. I don't think this is going to be the case this year because of the restrictions and the restricted crowd. And it's still going to be a big crowd. It's just not going to be massive and epic. And I think that actually plays into the hands of the Penrith Panthers. I think having a youthful side, you know, as you said, most of them would be juniors. They um, they're inexperienced totally compared to um, compared to the storm, but you do have you know Coruscant is a winning premiership winning player um, you know that's one <laughs> that's the only one the others are not and so look this is what you've got you're up against um, that doesn't mean that they're not going to win plenty of teams have won in their first year uh, in a grand final you're talking about the Sharks and the Storm. And in fact, the Storm, uh, you know, were, were featured in that in that game and, and they lost a tight one. Um, I think all the signs are pointing to, for me, the Penrith Panthers. I know they only snuck away with a, a small win against the, uh, the Rabbitohs, but I, I just sort of think, and they don't have as many big names, obviously, as the Storm, um, but they seem to just perform so well as a team. They don't really have too many weaknesses, and I think this is what you need when you're up against the might of the Melbourne Storm, and uh, and I I just think that this is uh, the Panthers' year this year um, for all those reasons. Tish, uh, over to you.
1: Well, Doctor T, um, you know what? Like you know, you've you've put food in my uh, my, my brain here about thinking about who's going to win. Who's gonna lose? And uh, you know, I, I you know, if I think about situations, like I, I think about which team scores first and how the different teams will react. You know, well, look, I think the Panthers have bat their defence all year this year. So I think if the Storm score first, uh, like they've done, you know, like they did over the weekend and so forth. I don't think the Panthers will capitulate like uh, other teams have when the storm have have, have scored first um, simply because they've backed their defense the whole year and they, they sort of know enough to get back and sometimes the Panthers feel like they, the other team needs to score first before they start really get going. Um, so I think in that point of view you know you know if Melbourne score first, I think the Panthers are going to be very uh, you know I'm not going to be uh, consumed by the situation and I think on the flip side, um, you know the you know if the Panthers scored first I don't know how Melbourne would react to that. Um, I also go back to the epic win um, the the Storm had over the Roosters earlier this season with the you know the golden point game and 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 everything. The week after they came back and they were completely trounced. So I don't know if after a big game how well they react. Uh, the travel factor is going to be interesting for Melbourne because obviously they'll have to travel to this game. Um, from from Queensland and, um, you know, that's a, a bit of a different um, thing that they've had to do this year. And uh, whereas I think the Panthers obviously, you know, it's it's their home sort of game. So I think as long as the Melbourne, you know, te- oh, sorry, as well as the Panthers team can actually handle the situation um, with, with poise, uh, I think that that would, um, I think that's, that's probably why I give them the edge. Uh, now, you know, it's interesting you, you sort of uh, brought up different things about Cameron Smith and so forth. Um, you know, there is a, there's a really good documentary series on Netflix that's just released called uh, – I think it's called – you know, it's all about uh, sporting coaches. I think it's called The Playbook for Life. Um, and, and each episode goes – you know, interviews like, uh, you know, a different style of coach. And one of the coaches is actually, uh, you know, NBA-winning coach uh, uh, Doc Rivers, and he talks about this concept of Ubuntu, the Ubuntu lifestyle. Have you heard about this, Doctor T? Uh,
0: it Ubuntu sounds like a uh, a Silicon Valley startup. <laughs>
1: Well, there is actually a that that (laughs) that 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 that, that is true. It's it's also yeah, it's also a Linux thing. But Ubuntu is actually a South African uh, philosophy of living. It's it's something that Nelson Mandela adopted to rebuild uh, South Africa. But the idea is is that basically, uh, you know, you know, it's the art of practicing humanity and essentially that we're all interconnected human beings. Um, I know this is sounding really crazy, but we're all interconnected human beings and. Um, who you know? Who you know? Your identity is found in wh- how others uh, how how well you work with others. And if you actually go back and look at uh, when a Panthers player gets interviewed over where a Melbourne player gets interviewed, you notice that you know the Panthers talk a lot about the team. Um, and uh, you know in this episode they actually showed uh, the Boston Celtics. Um, you know Doc Rivers was uh, you know was their coach when they won their seventeenth. One and um, you know one of the players, I think it was Kevin Garnett. You know he was told, you know the the journalist said, oh you had a great game this week, and he goes, no I didn't have a great game. We had a great game. I was only in my position because somebody else was in their position. And if you think about the Panthers and the way they play, they had that um, they had that interconnectedness about them because they've played for so long. And you know if Nathan Cleary talked about how well he played, he'll actually put all the uh, emphasis on how well. You know, um, you know he, you know the the teammates around him played, and you you know you have a similar sort of vibe with Jerome Lawyer when he gets interviewed, or when you know Mansell gets interviewed, or or you know it, they all seem to, um, you know, talk about the importance of everybody else in their team, whereas um, at the moment with the Melbourne Storm, it all seems to be about one person, unfortunately, and the coach, and I feel like there's too much uncertainty as well with Melbourne. You know, obviously. You know, rumours about Cameron Smith. There's also rumours about Craig Bellamy, about what his future is. Whereas I think the Panthers are a bit more comfortable and settled about who they are. So I think that's why they've been able to play so well this year. I think that, that they really haven't had, you know, in previous seasons, they had a bit of a shake-up, coaching shake-ups. And they've actually gone through a lot over the last few years. If you think about, you know, a, a new coach last year, not making the eight last year, the year before being such a great team, but having their coach sacked, having all this turmoil... Uh, but this year has been a very settling year for them. And I think that this is... Uh, I think this is why they're in such a good headspace. And I, I really don't think that there's going to be anything that can... Um, that's going to put them off their game. Uh, so that's why I'm going to tip the Panthers. I, I just feel that they're just going to have a mental edge. So I know that's uh, that's a bit crazy there, Dr. T. But, uh, you know, it's, these... these like, at the end of the day, you've got two really good teams. They don't know how to play the basics well. You know, it's 17 uh, great players on each team. The real battle is going to be in the mind. So I think that's going to be it. And I think the captain's Challenge is going to play a big role in this game. Uh, traditionally, uh, in NRL Grand Finals, new rule changes have played a part. Let's go back to 1999, you know. First year, the video referee. Yeah,
0: And what exactly. decides the
1: game <laughs> the video referee, you know. Last year, you know, the six-again tackle, right? Well, we've had the new rule called the six-again now. So, mm. um I think the captain's challenge. I think it's time for the captain's challenge to be the controversial moment of the game, and uh, yeah. So let's see how that goes. And and would it be ironic if uh, Cameron Smith loses a captain's challenge that is so crucial to the game? So
0: yeah, um, I don't know if that's going to (laughs) happen. But uh, (laughs) nice, nice try. But I think look, as long as Josh Mansor doesn't run in and say challenge, 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 (laughs) because that's really. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he should have just pulled his head in a little bit because, yeah, that that cost them a little bit. But, yeah, look, maybe it will come down to the experience of Smith versus Tamau as captains. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I, just on your point, I think you're 100% right. It is always, always about the mental game at this point because you will have, you know, pretty much two teams that are fairly evenly matched. Uh, very, very often uh, it is that way in grand finals. Very rarely do you get... Such a mismatch in in skill set or or form going into a grand final, but when you know when when you get sort of evenly matched teams, it is almost always. I mean, we talk about the defense winning big games, big defense winning big games, and big defense is really about that team mentality. And so, I kind of agree with what you said. Uh, and let's not forget, we've talked about this in the past that one of the the greatest kind of uh, you know documentaries to come out this year. Worldwide on Netflix was obviously The Last Dance, which is about yeah. the, uh, the 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 Chicago Bulls in the NBA uh, and they're they're winning. Uh, you know, the six. Uh, uh, well, not six straight, Success. but six in eight years uh, NBA premierships. And and look, the key thing that, that I had no idea about there was uh, the coach Phil Jackson's. Um, you know, philosophy. He had a very strong kind of Native American um uh, you know philosophy that he he yeah. baked baked into uh the way he approached the game the way he approached his star players in particular and and the way that he kind of you know he got them doing things that you know the the meditation kind of rituals and things like that and mm. he didn't overdo it but he did it in such a way to remind them all that uh to get out of their heads in a, in a way and and live in the moment and play in the moment and i think I mean, the success speaks for itself. I mean, you know, six <laughs> six wins, six finals, uh, and uh, you know, obviously uh, with Jordan as well, six finals MVP. So you can't get more a uh, strong evidence there that he was as a coach able to bring them all together um, and and get his best players absolutely performing at their best when it counted. And I think that's what it will boil down to. So if it if it tends to work. For Cleary, if this is what's working, then let's see the evidence of it up against, I think it's fair to say, one of the most difficult teams that you would want to go up against in a grand final, which is a Melbourne Storm, coached by Craig Bellamy, captained by Cameron Smith. Uh, This is the true litmus test of... All of those things that you just spoke about, Tish, and all the things that we spoke about earlier about the, the youthfulness of the Panthers' lineup, the, the way they, they play for each other, and, of course, their defense, which has been uh, so strong this year uh, in clutch occasions. And so, yeah, look, my tip is the Panthers as well. We both tip in the Panthers. It should be a really, really great game. I'm looking forward to it. But let's move on to uh, tackle number three. Here we go. All right, tackle number three, the Dali Messenger Awards. Uh, just some quick ones we'll go through, and then we'll, uh, and we'll talk about the, um, the, the big one in the next tackle. So the Proven Summons Medal, which uh, I believe is awarded to... Is this like a... What's the technical thing for it? It's the Proven Summons Medal for, uh, for People's Choice Player of the Year was actually won by a team, the New Zealand Warriors. And I think that's amazing. It's amazing Mm. that they were allowed to do that because it's meant to be a player's uh, award. But I think I would have to agree. I think of all the players, all the teams that have sacrificed so much through this COVID situation, the New Zealand Warriors have done it the most. They've sacrificed Mm. the most. And I think it's absolutely amazing that uh, such a prestigious medal is uh, awarded to the entire New Zealand Warriors team because I think... They have done so much to be separated from their own young families, and it must have been really, really difficult while they've been here. So, well done to the New Zealand Warriors. Um, all right, the NRL Rookie of the Year. And, and Titch, I'm just going to go through these, and if you want to sort of uh, uh, add any of your thoughts, please do so. Um, Rookie of the Year, Harry Grant from the Tigers. Well done. Tigers Yep, Tigers player. Do you agree with that? Um, disagree.
1: Okay. Because he's not a rookie. He played two games in t- twenty eighteen. So. Oh, I think
0: I think there's technical. I think the technical rules are you've got if if you've played fewer than four, I think then it counts. As, okay. Well, yeah, I think that's. <laughs> I think okay. Potential. Well, in
1: these in these weird, you know, unconventional uh, definition of rookie, uh, I suppose. Yeah, go for it. And <laughs> by the way, uh, I thought Prova summons trophy, Benji Marshall. But anyway.
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Well, luckily it was a people's choice, not Tish's choice, so there you go. (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Um, Captain of the year, well, you know, Cam Smith will be annoyed with this, but Roger Shek Mm. winning that one. Uh, Coach of the year, Ivan Cleary, I'd have to say yes to that. Um, Top try scorer of the year, the Ken Irvine medal, goes to Alex Johnston. 20 tries, well done. He seems to have won this a few times, actually, and another one who's won it at top point scorer of the year, Adam Reynolds at 191 points, so... Well done to both of those Rabideau's players. The VB Hard Earned Player of the Year Award was jointly won by Jake Trebojevic and Tohu Harris. Um, the uh, Peter Falingos Memorial Award for Headline Moment of the Year was for Project Apollo, the NRL's restart project, which uh, obviously uh, we talked about this, you know, the, the wacky ideas that the NRL had that they would come back before everyone else. And they have pulled it off With uh, great success, I would say. I think that this is kind of, in terms of the NRL as a whole, this is a story of the year that we uh, reluctantly, I think, shut down and locked everything down. And then they Mm -hmm. worked so hard in the background to get things moving again, to make sure that they could operate within a bubble um, safely. And they worked with the governments of the day. and, And, you know, it's just really... They've done such a great job. So Project Apollo, I think it was headed up by Wayne Pierce, I believe. So yeah, well done, Wayne Pierce, another Tigers representative there. Um, the drink wise, I don't know if that's a wise thing to put as a try, the drink wise try of the year goes to Katoni Stags versus uh, the Saint jo- of Broncos versus Saint George Illawarra of of Dragons in round fifteen. Uh, the Yui tackle of the year goes to Josh Papali on Jamal Jamal Fogarty. Uh, uh, when they played the Titans in round fifteen, so round fifteen gets the try and the tackle of the year. Must have been a big week that week. Um, the female player of the year uh, was the was Ali Brigginshaw from the Broncos. Well done, Ali. Uh, the Rebel NRLW Rookie of the Year was Kennedy Cherrington, and the NRLW Try of the Year was to Madison Bartlett. Now let's go through the team of the year and. Uh, Look, the way they do this is obviously the the player with the most points within the within the the category gets that award. But often, what happens is because some players, you know, if you're in a, a team with a lot of stars, you kind of don't um, you kind of don't stand out as much as as you would if you were in a team of uh, not not so many supporting staff. And so, I think this is what often happens with these awards that you get um, you don't always get the best. Perform player of the year, you get the best performed player who is not overshadowed by his teammates. So let's go through uh, the team of the year. And Tish, uh, feel free to chime in if you have a uh, an objection, if you want to catch him, Captain's Challenge against any of these. So, <laughs> so here we go. Best fullback, Clint Gutherson from the Parramatta Eels. I'd have to agree with that. I'd have to agree with that. I think he's been, without doubt, the best Eels player all year. And uh, you know, not very well supported by some others. So there you go. But
1: yeah, I think he's the most influential fullback, and I think that's what these wards really highlight. the The most influential yeah. fullback for their team is is probably Clint Gutherson. Um, but you know, you've got Peppenhausen, you've got, um, and you've got Dylan Edwards, I suppose, for for you know who are playing in this week's grand final. But yeah, I think I think Clint uh, Gutherson is definitely up there. You know, and uh, yeah, there you go.
0: All right, Uh, where am I going? Hang on, I just missed it. The wingers. David Nofaluma and Josh Adokar. I'd have to agree with those. I think Mm. they've been the two best-performing wingers all year. I mean, you could throw in a few others, but, um, but yeah, pretty good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Best centers, Katoni Staxman, Broncos, and Stephen Crichton. Uh, Do you agree with those? Well, uh, yeah, (laughs)
1: well... uh... Well, I suppose Crichton's playing in the grand final, and uh, Stags is, uh, you know, was was uh, a very uh, influential centre for a team that came last this year. <laughs> that's um, right. It's so, I tell
0: you, it's all about uh, you know the uh, who you got around you. That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. So, so look, I mean, like, I mean, um, sort of the you know who's that guy for the Roosters? Uh, you know, he's an absolute sensational centre. I'd probably have to give it to him based on merit. Um but yeah, but then obviously very hard for anybody other than Luke Harry in the roosters to actually get Deli in point. So I,
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: That, that, that's how it ends up being, right you now. So yeah.
0: Exactly. All right. Best five eighth, Jack Whiten. And uh spoiler alert, we'll talk about him later in a minute. Um best <laughs> best halfback was Nathan Cleary. I'd have to agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, look, and the Panthers feature, uh, you know, quite a bit in the forwards. Uh, you've got best lock is Isaiah Yo, and uh, Kickout was one of the the best second rowers, and F- James Fisher-Harris was one of the best props. The other second rower was Tohu Harris, and the other prop was Josh Papali. And, of course, best hooker was Cam Smith. And, uh, and I think those are the key kind of team uh, sort of awards. So let's move on to tackle number four, the big one, yep. the player of so, the year. Oh, sorry, so, go ahead. Go I ahead.
1: just wanted to say one thing. Alex Johnson wins uh, top trisker of the year, but doesn't feature in the team of the year as well. That's got to be quite interesting too. And uh, I think, I think, uh, could we put Cody Walker as interchange player of the year? Because I think he had a still season two, So yeah, but, th- but that's probably my only little comment on that.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think it's got a lot to do with... Uh, yeah, it's got a lot to do with the, the the players around them, I think. So I think that, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to tackle number four. Here we go. All right, the big one. The M Player of the Year, I think I alluded to it earlier, Jack Whiten from Canberra has won the 2020 M Medal. Um, he just pipped out Clint Gutherson and Nathan Cleary. Uh, the media will tell you uh, that it was a shock result. Whiten polling twenty six votes, one ahead of Gutherson and two ahead of Cleary. So really, we could have been talking about a Clint Gutherson, uh, you know, Dally and Medal, and I would have been, I would have been okay with Clint Gutherson. But I think, I think it's fair to say that you know, Whiten really did stand out in Canberra, uh, you know, compared to some of the other players. So it could be that Gutherson had to compete with some of the other players in in the Eels who also performed well. Uh, but yeah, I, I, look. When you look at it, the, the those that trio White and Gutherson and Cleary, I think it's fair to say that those three have been really the most uh, most well accomplished players this year. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I'd say too. I think um, you know. Let's not forget that the pa- the Parramatta Eels were you know for the majority of the season the number one team in the competition, and they were led by Clint Gutherson, who was their rock. So. And when you talk about great players who had great seasons this year, I think I think Clint Guntherton's in the conversation. I think Nathan Cleary's in the conversation, and I suppose the shock. Well, Jack Watton's definitely in the conversation too. And winning, um, you know, the Dal- Daily Messenger Player of the Year, I-, I have no problem with that. I think it's. Uh, I think you know he certainly had a still season, but I-, I just wonder sometimes just the way they do these, um, you know, what the way they do these awards and the way you know everything gets polled and voted. I just wonder. You know, can a grand final? You know, can can a player that's actually playing in one of the grand final teams actually win one of these awards now? You know, it feels like um, it feels like this is going to go to, you know, a team that almost made it sort of thing. And I kind of feel that maybe, you know, you know, maybe we've got to have a different system in the way we do things. And you know, there should be at least, you know, who do I think is the best player in the competition at the moment? I probably think it's Nathan Cleary, if I'm being honest. So. You know, it's kind of interesting how it really in the awards and the point system doesn't really work out to be that way. Doctor T, who do you think is the best player in the competition at the moment? And uh, do you think it's Jack Wyden?
0: Uh, well, if if you count the fact that they're not active any longer in the in in the season, the yeah. <laughs> then you can't. But uh, look, I don't know. I think it's a toss-up to be honest. I mean, I got to admit that there is look there is something to be said about the 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 system of having mm. a player of the year which is based on the regular season and then uh, and then nothing for any of the finals games, but you only get another major prestigious award if you're the best player on the ground at the grand final. And so, again, not to harken back to the NBA, but that's exactly what they've got there. They've got that system of, you know, if you look at the stats in... Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know you've got the MVP which is the best player of the regular season only and then the finals MVP which is the best player of the final series which is really not the entire final series it's only the it's it's the equivalent of the grand final except they play it best of 7 so really it's the same setup here you've got the Dali m the Dudley Messenger Player of the Year, which is for the regular season, and then you've got the uh, Clive Churchill medal for the grand final. And I think that's fair enough. But what gets lost is performances during the rest of the final series. series. So if you ask me, I would actually say Clint Gutherson would be the best player because Mm. the only reason that they were even in that game against the Rabbitohs last week uh, in week two of the finals was because of Clint Gutherson's hand in their three tries. If you remember, the, the Rabbitohs went up early, just as they did against the Panthers. And then uh, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Clint Gutherson clicked into gear and mm. the Eels were 18-8, I think, at one point. So, And it was all because of him. Uh, he had a hand and he created all three of those tries. He was, uh, you know instrumental in keeping them there, but unfortunately one player doesn't make the team. And so this is the issue is that, you know, again, if you if you're asking me who deserved, who, or who would be the best player at the moment, uh, uh, of, you know, uh, of all the players that have played so far this year, I would say Clint Gutherson. He, unfortunately, as a team, the Eels weren't able to make them go any further. So, um, because I don't, I honestly don't think there's any other player. I know Cleary's been playing well, but again, for the Panthers, it's really a team game. It's not really a Cleary game. Um, mm. He is not that influential over their performances as much as just the defence actually of the Panthers and their team, uh, their team approach. So, and, and really, they've, that's really why we're, we're tipping them, for, or I'm tipping them anyway, for a victory against the Storm. Is that it's it is a team game, and they've got all the right elements there. Uh, they're not relying on star power and this is where teams have uh you know come unstuck against the melbourne storm is that uh, you know certainly if you, if you go back to the and i don't want i don't like to but the 2009 grand final where the eels lost against the storm the same sort of situation we were too reliant on the the brilliance of jared hayne and if you remember that amazing finals run um, you know, that, you can't do that against the Melbourne Storm. You never could do that, not in a Bellamy coach Melbourne Storm team. And so at the end of the day, yeah, I would say Clint Gutherson, to me, uh, has performed the best when you count the games within the, uh, uh, the, Minutes, the, the final yeah. series. Uh, having said that, Cleary has it all ahead of him. At the end of the day, if he's able to pull out the uh, Clive Churchill medal and and get a match-winning performance there, uh, then, yeah, I think it's fair to say that we will be much more comfortable, certainly, with him getting into that Blues lineup at half-back <laughs> than we would be otherwise. So, yeah, what about you, Tish?
1: Yeah, look, um, yeah, as I said, I, I do... Yeah, I, look, I do agree uh, with a lot of what you say, and Gutherson certainly had a great season this year. I suppose, yeah, look, I, I'll still... Uh, I think... Yeah, look... It, just the way the NRL is at the moment, it has become very much a team game. And unfortunately, if you play playing a great team, you really can't win these awards. So I just would like to see a bit of a change to the system. So, but look, uh, as I said, look, you know, you really, uh, Jack Watton had a fantastic season as well. So let's not take too much away from him as well. Um, I think he is a deserving winner, um, but I think, I think it's good to sort of be able to uh, sort of debate um, the fact that perhaps there were some other players that are playing in teams that are still in the competition and teams that were, you know in the final series um that can that can do well um you know so so look um yeah look i th- i think i'm happy with white but but i probably would have thought that Cleary was in there i just wanted to bring up one other thing is that um you know the last time the panthers won it back in 2003 um you know craig gower actually boycotted the um uh the the ceremony um due to you know almost uh, you know pl- player you know player welfare and player uh you know things and then, so there was a bit of a campaign to try and get, uh, Craig Gower to, um, uh, you know, to, to maybe get a retro WM award. Um, but, uh, unfortunately that has not happened. So, um, yeah, so, so that's also disappointing from a Panthers point of view and, uh, you know, they didn't get to play their home final. Um, they actually played at South's home game, uh, even though they finished on top of the ladder. So, I don't know if all of this is going to be a bit of a fuel, uh, you know, sort of fueling their desire to kind of, uh, you know, uh, get back at the NRL and Peter Volandis.
0: Wow. So, look, not much of a segue, but let's just jump into tackle number five, shall we? Here we go. All right. The NRL pre-game entertainment, uh, often the source of uh humor and angst and uh and discussion for many many years to come this year tish who is going to be the nrl grand final pre entertainment it is from
1: i don't know australia amy shark from the gold coast from the gold coast amy shark of course with her hit single baby shark do 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 um burst onto our uh, you know into our heads for forever and uh you know this, uh, yeah. But look, it's great. Uh, look, I think Amy Shark is, a, is an NRL fan. She she actually helped out in the uh, NRL uh, fundraiser for the for the bush. Um, you know, earlier this year uh, in Bega, so you know, vers- you know, very close to association, association with rugby league. I don't really know much of her music. I don't know if um, you know if uh, if she is uh, classical as Mozart or, or Bach. Or any of the <laughs> of, of of the great musicians of, of history, but I'm sure she is really good at what she does. And um, uh, so I don't know if she's also getting to sing the anthem as well. But look, um, it's great to have homegrown talent. I suppose in uh, in this uh, COVID world, you really couldn't fly out anybody from overseas, could you, Doctor T? So uh, so we've had to go with homegrown. So uh, so yes, yeah, so. so uh, hopefully Amy will do a great job uh, over the weekend. Uh, looking forward to the Amy Shark performance there, Dr. T?
0: Uh, yeah, it should be good. I mean, like like you said, we've been restricted a little bit with all the all the restrictions, so you can't just fly in anyone. It would be really, uh, really difficult. Um, you know, but, but this is the thing, look, and I'm not sure really whether her music is well-suited for kind of an NRL grand final style crowd, Um <laughs> I just wonder whether they should have gone for the traditional kind of rock singers and, you know, mm. but again, um, it is someone who's well known. She's been very famous. She's, um, uh, she is obviously famous for her duet with, uh, Rove McManus, which is tell your mama said hi. Um, oh, I think, gotcha. no, I'm just joking. Uh, that's, oh, okay. that is her actual song. Tell my mama said hi. Uh, that's, that's what, that's a famous song. So there you go. Um, wow. uh, and, uh, but yeah, look, like I said, I think, uh, it's look. I think it's good that at least the NRL has gone with a live action performer as opposed to, you know, I was I was hoping that they weren't going to go with the, you know, let's do a Zoom, a Zoom teleconference <laughs> yeah. with, with people around the world because you just know, grand final NRL grand finals and technology do not go well. If you remember that uh, that famous Optus Cup in 1995 or whatever it was. When the whole thing fell apart, you know, technology and grand finals do not go well together. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against. Her. I'm looking forward to it actually, just to see uh, what kind of crowd there is. And I think because, uh, yeah, look, it's going to be a bit of a different, different vibe. I think having someone of her, because uh, she's more like a pop kind of singer songwriter, and mm. and so it's not really the kind of style that you would expect. Um, in the NRL Grand Final, but um, but yeah, it should uh, it should be good. But yeah, look. Um, and the other thing to note as well is that as part of the entertainment, they're also indicating that there's going to be a, obviously a special tribute to the retiring players, as they usually do. Um, I'm guessing there'll be there'll be uh, a lot of players sitting on the back of Utes driving around, <laughs> being mm. driven around the stadium. There's going to be a special tribute to Arthur Summons, obviously he passed away this year. And the presentations of the Ken Steven and Veronica White medals uh, for the players who have made the highest uh, or the, the biggest off-field contribution to local communities this year. So, you know, the NRL not just sticking with a, a simple, uh, you know, performing act and that's it, but actually making a big show of it and actually paying due respect to those who, have, uh, who are retiring and those who have passed away, especially the big names. And, uh, and yeah, and also those who have done well for the community. So it's good. It's good to know that they've got some uh, more than a one-dimensional approach to doing entertainment, which is really fantastic. So, all right, let's move on to tackle number six. Here we go. All right, tackle number six is the NRL Women's Grand Final Preview. We've got the Broncos against the Roosters. This game will be on at 4.05 p.m., on Sunday at ANZ Stadium, obviously the the precursor to the NRL game, uh, the men's game, uh, the Storm against the Panthers. And look, uh, with this game, we've got, um, uh, yeah, I think the the who who would you think would be the um, so we've got Ali Brighenshaw. We talked about who who was the the women's DLN player of the year, and that was Ali Brighenshaw, who is the halfback for the Broncos. I think based on what we've seen this year, I think the Broncos would be considered favourites. Um, they played last weekend as well, and I think the Broncos won that one. So uh, looking forward to this one. Tish, what are your thoughts on uh, on what we're going to see here, who are going to be uh, the best players, the standout players? For me, I think you can't go past... Um, well, there's a couple. There's Ali Briginshaw and then uh i'm looking for i think it's is it talisha harden in the second row i think i think she's done some good things this year as well so i'm looking forward to seeing how they perform but yeah unfortunately um the broncos last in the nRL men's will be first i believe in the nRL women's tournament uh in the grand final this weekend tish uh, what are your thoughts
1: well, yeah. Look, I uh, second that opinion. I think the Broncos have won it the last two seasons, actually. And, oh, that's uh, right.
0: Yeah,
1: and they uh, went as a three-peat this year. I don't think they've lost a game. Now they did have to shorten the NRLW season this year as well. Um, so that is also obviously another, um, you know, another sort of, um, you know. So they've only had the three games, and I don't think the Broncos. Yeah, three games, three three wins. You know, points differential of more than seventy. Uh, you know, of seventy actually. So. Um, you know, and then, and obviously the Roosters, um, you know, only losing the one game, and that was obviously to the Broncos. So, um, look, yeah, I, th- I think it's just going to uh, be down there. I think the uh, Roosters have got a couple of injuries as well. Some some girls who were in the sevens rugby union team for Australia in the uh, Brazil Brazilian Olympic Games a few years ago have actually uh, are in. Uh, both these squads, but I think some of them are injured. So, look, I think, you know, we're still very... I'm glad the NRL, um, you know, despite the issues with COVID, has been able to put on a, a shortened version of this tournament. And I think, obviously, the big news for the women's game is that the fact that there um, is a strong possibility that they'll have full-time contracts next year, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And, and um, you know, hopefully with that, hopefully with more participation, we could start to see more... Teams, um, and I think that's kind of a bit needed as well. So, look, I'm tipping the Broncos as well. Um, you know, they've they've kind of won both the last two Grand Finals by, but by a fair way as well. And I think they've been um, above and beyond any every other team this season. So, you know, I, I do expect them to um, to win. Um, but I think you know the other thing that we kind of uh, sometimes gloss over is that you know if you if you uh, you know, Sunday afternoon in front of the television, it is really quite exciting to watch these girls play because there is quite a lot of skill. You know, a lot of these girls have have had to play, and you know, I kind of feel weird tw- calling them girls all the time. But I'm going to just give it that a lot of these players have played, and are, they've played rugby league their whole entire life, so they've been, you know, they've sort of gone through the same sort of training that the men have as well. Um, so there is there is definitely the same level of skill there um and you will see that and i definitely saw that with the broncos last year you see it in the um women's um state of origin as well um so so i think uh, yeah it's going to be highly entertaining but broncos for mine and um yeah i think it should be great and uh, what a great what i suppose what a great end of the year we never thought we'd get to the grand final but we've got two great games we've got great entertainment it's just going to be uh absolutely tremendous this uh this weekend
0: that's right. Whichever way you look at it, I think you're going to see a couple of really great games, and I think they'll be closer than, than maybe we're we're anticipating. But, yeah. Um, but that's going to make it just more exciting. And so, look, wherever you're going to be, uh, this Sunday, if you're in Australia or early Sunday, if you're on the other side of the world, um, hopefully you get to enjoy uh the game, uh, the games, and uh, and and an end to a a very epic and unprecedented season. Uh, I'm looking forward to just some really good football, but also I want to see, you know, in the pressure cooker situation of grand finals is where, is where diamonds are made. And this is where where we're looking for some really standout performances and really memorable performances. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, what uh, what this next chapter in history will be written and how it will be written by either the Panthers or the Storm uh, and obviously the Broncos and the Roosters in the Women's as well. Uh, looking forward to it. But Tish, this has been an epic Grand Final preview. Next week we're going to be reviewing the games and uh, and look as usual. Please uh, g- get in contact with us if you want to talk to us. Our at gmail Let us know what you think. Uh, what what you want to hear from us. Check out our website, uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter, and obviously download our uh, our, our podcast on iTunes, and please subscribe as well and uh, leave a review or post comments. Tish, an epic, epic, epic podcast previewing an epic season, uh grand final coming up, and uh, Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thanks
1: Thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening um, to this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic.